This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we are here to become better habitat managers. Guys, welcome. It's September. Deer season is right around the corner. For some, it's already started. Uh, Brian's been out in Wyoming already, um, and we just have another great podcast episode for you here this week. We have Mr. Nick Green, editor at the Michigan Out of Doors magazine. Also, Michigan Out of Doors magazine is owned by MUCC, which is the Michigan United Conservation Club. That is the largest statewide conservation organization in the nation. Kind of rolls off the tongue. Well, we have a great discussion here with Nick today. Um, we talk about Nick's, you know, background, how he got into, you know, journalism and editing a magazine. We talk about MUCC, the history there, what they do, what their purpose is. We talk about, you know, conservation update, which is a, a bi-weekly update that you can see what's going on in the world of conservation. MUCC is really about policy and keeping things great for hunters while also getting things changed requested by hunters as nick says in the episode mucc is one of the only organizations where you can have an idea i can have an idea you can have an idea personally and get it passed into law um throughout the organization you know they they lobby for hunting conservation it's really cool and what i like about mm -hmm. them as well uh, besides the magazine, which is great. And I, I write a Habitat 101 column in that magazine, which is published every quarter. Um, so 
so I'm, I'm obviously a fan, but they're on the ground program for Habitat. They go all over Michigan and host volunteer Habitat days where they're, you know, cleaning up rivers and boat launches where they're planting mass producing trees on state game areas where they're, you know, getting rid of an invasive species. This is Habitat on the ground program, which really caught my attention. Um, we talk about it here today. It's a great episode. We talk about Nick's fall hunting plans. He's a big duck and bird hunter, um, owns a few hunting dogs. It's just a great conversation. So, you know, I'd urge anybody who's not a member of MUCC to join. They've been around for a very long time. You can see their track record. We talk about it here. You know, it's their 85th anniversary at MUCC. And a um, couple couple facts here about MUCC I want to I mention. They've improved 6,000 plus acres of public land and waterways. They've guided 58,000 plus youth into the conservation space. They've leveraged 50, I'm sorry, 15,000 plus volunteer hours and advocated on 100 plus bills last legislative section advocated on 100 plus bills that's some that's some good stuff for conservationists and if you just want to get more involved this is how you do it or if you just want to support and not get involved join mucc it's very simple it's cheap it's worth doing so i just wanted to get nick on here and have a great conversation so we'll be talking to nick green coming up in just a minute guys i want to talk to you about a brand new partner here at habitat podcast we have legendary forest products llc out of cadillac michigan it is matt musselman now legendary forest products specialize in select cuts thinnings and clear cuts it's a logging operation they're sfi certified and insured as a logging company now not only are they great in what they do at logging um, we've had loggers on here before we've talked about logging it's something you have to watch out for um, and even, you know, use a forester. Matt can help on the forestry side of things too. And also he's a huge deer hunter, successful deer hunter and habitat manager. So kind of an all around great guy here with a great company. We're going to have Matt up on the Northern 70, get his opinion uh, before we log up there, maybe even hire him on, depending on how the bid goes, we'll see. Um, but legendary forest products, they're on Facebook. There's a link below in the show notes if you want to go check out matt if you're thinking about having some some logging done this year you know matt would be a great guy to call so think about that when you're in the woods you know what does your woods look like can you see and hit a golf ball all the way across your woods or you know do you have a bunch of mature standing timber you'd like to to harvest and maybe recoup some of your investment for the property um, that's kind of where we're at on the northern 70 we're looking to open that canopy up create better habitat and you know a check from the logging company to put back into the property or a tractor or whatever else wouldn't hurt either. So that's Matt Musselman, Legendary Forest Products. It's legendaryforestproducts at gmail.com. All the information is right below in the show notes. I want to welcome Matt on to the to the partnership here. Great to have you, buddy. And you guys check him out on Facebook. Give him a like, give him a follow. Um, you can see a bunch of pictures of his all his John Deere equipment, very nice equipment. And um, you'll be hearing from Matt soon as well here on the podcast. That's legendary forest products. I just want to give one more shout out to our friend Bill over at Endless Horizons Archery. Guys, if you're waiting last minute like I did to get your bow set up or to get a new site or to get a kisser button or whatever you need on your bow, 
give Bill a call over there at Endless Horizons Archery. There's a link below to their Facebook page as well. It has all their information where you can find them. They're in Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, but they will ship all over the place. Um, he shipped my bow to me in the mail. It came perfectly packed. Nothing wrong with it. I've been shooting the heck out of it. And he has a bunch of two and three and four year old bows as well for great prices. Um, if you don't want that brand new one, then you can always get the last year's model or the year before that. He's got a ton of Matthews inventory in stock there. He's also a great guy. I had a I had a question the other day about shooting without a peep sight. I'm trying that this year. And um, he guided me on maybe how I should anchor my nose on the string, that whole thing. We'll have him on here soon. and We'll talk about it. But if you guys are in need of any last minute archery or bow adjustments, products, whatever, give Bill a call over at Endless Horizons Archery. The link to Bill's page is in the show notes below. All right. I want to thank our other partners. We have Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty and Auction. We have Vitalized Seed Company, First Light, Afflictor Broadheads, Morse Nursery, Exodus Trail Cameras, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, and Packer Max Call to Packers. Guys, I will be giving away the pack of broadheads on next week next week's podcast. Need some more coffee apparently this morning. Um, I have two packs I'm giving away. We've had a few submissions come in. All you have to do is email info at habitatpodcast.com or leave us a review in the link below with your name. Everybody who's who's left us a great review is automatically entered into this giveaway. I'm giving away two brand new three packs of Afflictor Broadheads on next week's podcast. Be sure to tune in and register now if you have not. That's all I got, guys. I'm going to keep this short and sweet for you. Let's get into it with Nick Green at Michigan Out of Doors Magazine. Either way, guys, we're back. Another Habitat Podcast episode. We have Mr. Nick Green on the line. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. So... How we normally start these is we like to hear about who our, our guest is. Tell us about yourself. Um, you know, paint us a picture of who Nick Green is, where you're from, what you do, you know, how we met maybe, and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, so I, uh, I am from northern Michigan, a small town called Mesick. Um, It's south of Traverse City. Folks probably know where that's at if they're aware of Michigan. Um, I grew up in a hunting, fishing family. We had uh, rivers you know, state forests, national forests, all kind of abound around me. So I had really the opportunity to do whatever I wanted outside. Um, grew up in, like I said, a hunting, fishing family, predominantly my, my father and my grandpa, um, and really started to take to hunting and fishing probably in my early teenage years when, when we could start using a rifle, I was 14. Um, and it, it kind of planted a seed in me, but then I got into high school and I started to get into sports and kind of that, that all took a front seat. But after, after graduating high school and a couple years of working in a Christmas tree farm, uh, I kind of had a, I had a love for the outdoors start to blossom again. And I really started bow hunting hard and fly fishing. And those two kind of started my conservation journey and eventually went back to school when I was in my early 20s and got a journalism degree from Central Michigan University. So I worked then as a beat reporter at Cadillac News my junior and senior year. I covered natural resources, outdoor recreation, court cases, um, and 
being in Northern Michigan, you know, deer, deer hunting, fishing, any of that stuff is always loved and well-received. So had a lot of folks who, who would read my, my pieces and was referred to Michigan United Conservation Clubs when they knew that they were going to be looking for an editor for Michigan Out of Doors magazine. So had an interview with Dan Eichinger, who was our executive director at the time. And uh, it all kind of went from there five years ago. And I was hired into this gig before I had, I think, officially graduated college. So it was a very fast kind of trajectory through college and into conservation um, from from that journalism background that I had had. But, you know, at the at the foundation of everything in my professional career has been my my love of the outdoors, my love of habitat, my love of hunting, fishing and my love of teaching people to do it. So it's it's really been a good kind of center for me to revolve around and always come back to. Yeah. And fire up chips, buddy. <laughs> fire Hi. up chips. Yeah, I knew I liked you. That's that's <laughs> awesome. What what year did you graduate? Uh, two thousand and seventeen. Gotcha. Very cool. I was uh twenty ten. My wife and I. So. Okay, I would have been twenty ten if I uh, went to college right out of high school. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that doesn't sound like a bad upbringing. I mean, Mesick, Michigan. That's um, Morel Mushroom Country, right? It's Morel. It's the mushroom capital of the world. We like to say. Is it really? Okay. I didn't know. Don't think I knew that. I used to do some um, deer camp in Copemish. So yep. I know, I know I've been through the area many times. Um, beautiful area of the state. There's no question about it. It is. It's just, uh, like I said, it's surrounded by whatever you could want to do outside. We have warm water, cold water, cool water fisheries. We have any kind of hunting you really could do with the exception of maybe pheasants. Um, you know, we have, we have it all there and then there's trails and outdoor recreation opportunities. So it's just, you know, people, people come up there to, to, to be a tourist and I got to grow up there. So it's pretty special. Very nice. And, and so now you've been editor of Michigan Outdoors magazine for, well, do the math here, Jared, this what five, six years, seven years. Yeah. So my, my five-year anniversary with MUCC was in June. Um, and I was originally hired as the public information officer and then the editor of Michigan out of doors magazine. Awesome. So let's, let's do this. I know you and I met through a a mutual friend of ours, Ed Moore, uh, birthday was yesterday, I believe Happy birthday, Ed. And, um, and his neighbor, Ruben is one of my best friends growing up. And, uh, so I heard good things and then we started talking and then I've been writing a a habitat one-on-one column for for you and, and the magazine for uh, I think six or seven issues now. And um, that's kind of how you and I got started communicating, but let's, let's go into what MUCC is and what the magazine actually is. Um, I've known MUCC my entire life, living in Michigan, but I don't, let's, let's introduce the listeners. Yeah. So for, for folks who may not have an MUCC type organization or aren't aware, uh, we're a conservation nonprofit. We're statewide. So we focus on, uh, hunting, fishing, trapping, shooting regulations and policy that really impact and affect all Michiganders. Uh, we're the largest in the country, so there isn't another organization bigger that does all that we do. There are a lot of organizations like us. Uh, we have a staff of 10 full-time, and then we also get an AmeriCorps member each year and oftentimes have a, a policy intern during the summer. Uh, we are a grassroots organization, so you know, kind of that means that our members kind of drive our policy. And in, in every June, we come together for an annual convention 
uh, folks, folks put their ideas on paper of things they would like to see changed in the natural resources world. And our, our delegates at convention vote on that. And then those are kind of marching orders for staff. And it's been that way since 1937 when we were founded. And we were, you know, the same time, a little bit after Ducks Unlimited, but coming out of the, the Dust Bowl era, lots of conservation organizations were starting in the 1930s. Uh, and we've, we've predominantly been known for advocacy, um, but we also have other branches like Michigan Out of Doors. Uh, we owned the TV show, owned and operated the TV show for many years. Wow. Uh, we have the magazine. We, we have an on-the-ground habitat stewardship program, and we operate Michigan Out of Doors Youth Camp. So, you know, advocacy in, is really the foundation of, of who we are. I'm a registered lobbyist. We have a, a policy assistant who's a registered lobbyist, and then our executive director, Amy Trotter is also a registered lobbyist. But like I said, we have seven other staff aside from us that have duties that are habitat, that are running our youth camp, um, you know, getting ready for our policy board next weekend, getting putting on events for folks. Um, so we really have anything and anything that has to do with the traditional hook and bullet conservation world. You know, we're, we're doing it and our fingers are in it here in Michigan. Impressive, impressive. And, and like you said, the MUCC, has many different facets, one being the magazine itself. Um, and then the TV show was yours. I didn't know the TV show was your, I think I thought it was They're too similar of names to not be, but um, <laughs> yep. when did Jimmy go off on his with that? In the mid two thousands, I believe Jimmy okay. kind of bought himself out from M MUCC. Uh, and we, we obtained it, you know, after the years of, um, I think it was the Fred Trost kind of era. Uh, we obtained it when, and then Bob Garner was our host for a long time. And then Jimmy came on. So we owned it for a couple decades in there and it's, it's now, you know, we work with Jimmy closely and Jimmy gives us airtime graciously whenever he can. Uh, but it made sense at the time to kind of split the brand, but we do get often that, you know, people confuse us for the TV show or they confuse them for the magazine. It's, you know, it happens. Um, but we're not, we don't consider ourselves competitors, you know, we're all in this together. So it works well. So let's hear a little bit more about the magazine. I got mine sitting right here. Got it in the mail uh, probably about two weeks ago. 75 years, Michigan Outdoors Magazine. The cover is really awesome. It's a bunch of old uh, traditional and nostalgia of deer camp, northern Michigan, UP type, type scene, kind of drawn out. Whoever drew that is pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so that was our cover in 1952, actually. Same one. Okay. Yep. That's very neat. That was our fall or our November cover in 1952, I believe. Yeah, that's amazing. And I guess like, what's the, what's the goal of the magazine? If somebody subscribes to this magazine, what are they getting? You know, what are, what are some of the pros there? Yeah. So the magazine has really evolved over time. You know, when, when we were first published in 1947, it was really that, you know, connection between members, similar to like a Ducks Unlimited, to like a Pheasants Forever, you get the magazines, um, QDMA, NDA, same thing. And it, it really was meant to kind of connect members to each other, connect them better to the organization. Uh, and that's really ebbed and flowed throughout time. We, we started as a, a full magazine, and then it went to a tabloid size, and then it went to a pocket size, and then it was an 11 by 17. And so it's, it's done a lot of different things and been, it's been a lot of different things to a lot of people too, which is always interesting when you hear people reminisce about what Michigan Outdoor, Outdoors was to them, whether it was 
their grandpa or their dad or mom or whomever. Um, but you know, when I really took the helm in 2017, I wanted to bring, bring our members back into the fold of the magazine, but not, but not make it so organizationally heavy that there wasn't a, a feature like, or, or something to learn from it or take away, you know, and be entertained with. So it really lended, you know, I was able to use my journalistic style of feature writing and trying to, trying to educate and teach folks something while also being, ed, you know, informative and letting them know kind of what the things of the day are and what's going on and why they need to care. So that's kind of been the approach I've taken. Um, we've tried to be a lot more representative of females and minorities in our magazine, which is something in our world, you know, that has just, it's just been truly underrepresented is, is we need a bigger tent uh, and we need to kind of be representative of who we all are. You know, if you go down to the Detroit river and you Saginaw, you're, you're fishing walleye, um, you know, people look a lot different than, than others. So it's, it's something important to me and it's something important to us. And I wanted the magazine to reflect that. Uh, and it's, it's really, I'm starting to kind of get my feet underneath me and, you know, be able to. So yeah, you, you mentioned, you know, getting different kinds of people into the outdoors, you know, and, and minorities and women. And I've seen that a lot over the past few years. I think NDA does a good job at that. And I think that, uh, we just need more people backing our, our sports and our, our lifestyles. And, and that's a, that's a, an area that, you know, that more people, right. So get them in. Um, and you're seeing that a lot with, with people, the authors of some of these articles in the magazine or. Yeah. I mean, you know, women are the fastest growing demographic in hunting and fishing and, you know, there's nothing else in our world that we can point to that's really growing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not, it's, it's very important to include people. Um, but you can also lead by example. So we don't need to necessarily say that we have to do things just for the sake of doing things. Um, but including, you know, more women writers, uh, we had a, a person of color duck hunting on our cover, uh, two winters ago. You know, these are just things that haven't always been featured in magazines and we don't, we don't always toot our horn when we do that. We do it and just to normalize it and make it a part of the conversation and make folks kind of realize that there are different people and sometimes they haven't always felt welcome. And, and women are often, they bear the brunt of that. You know, I have, a, I have a really good friend I bird hunt with and his mom cleans our birds for us. And she's 70 years old and bans more woodcock than anyone I know. And, you know, but when she grew up, she wasn't allowed to go hunting with her dad or brothers or grandpa, you know, it was she had to stay home and clean birds. So it's just a different world we live in. And I think, again, leading by example and helping folks just see that whether it's a byline in a story or a picture or, you know, whatever it might be, and just kind of normalizing that and making it representative of who we are as a culture. I like it. And I think that even your um, I guess subject base is diverse, right? There's, there's deer harvesting information in this episode. There's um, archery, there's naturalists, there's mousing for trout. You know, there's all kinds of different stuff in every one of these. So it's kind of nice to open your eyes a little bit to something more than deer or, or whatever you're, you're, you're championing. What I, what I like is deer. You know, I used to duck hunt all the time, goose hunt. Um, 
and now I'm in the deer mode. So like, it's nice to get out of that sometimes and, and be entertained by other people's thoughts and what they put down on paper. So it's, it's a good magazine. Well, thank you. It's some, you know, something MUCC we're proud of is that, you know, conservationists are a group of people. They're not just deer people. They're not just anglers. And that's something, you know, when someone comes to MUCC, generally they have a want or need to be a more well-rounded conservationist or at least understand what's happening in the world. And, you know, when you do that, it also starts to hinder you a little bit because folks do become very tribal or they only want to care about deer stuff. So, you know, when we have to take stances on things like baiting, um, you know, that's a very divisive issue and deer hunters can be pretty divided on it. APRs is another one that we actually don't have policy on, um, but people have strong opinions on each side. So it's something we do have to combat a little bit at MUCC, um, but, you know, we don't shy away from telling those stories in the magazine or explaining both sides of the issue, especially if we don't have set policy on it, because we want our members to be better informed, better conservationists, and we want them to it to ultimately help them drive the policy conversation about what they want to see change or what might be coming down the pipe to change. Yeah. You, you're very, very much more eloquent when you're explaining your, your background and the goal behind the organization here than I am. So well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and now when, when you said policy, you have something coming up, policy resolutions. Um, tell us about like when you guys pick a policy or you, or you stand behind a policy, what does that mean? And, and what are the policy resolutions, et cetera? If somebody wanted to be more involved, wanted to open their eyes more and not just go buy a tag and go hunt, um, I guess give us a rundown on what that all means. Yeah, I mean, to give you a very direct example, uh, the usage of straight-walled cartridges in southern Michigan. So for those who don't know or may not be from Michigan, uh, traditionally you were only allowed to use a shotgun below I think it was M57 about our half of our lower peninsula down and uh, within the last decade that has changed and how that started was an MUCC policy resolution someone said I think that we could use such as Ohio and other states do I think that we could use straight walled cartridges you know they don't carry hundreds and hundreds of yards they're safer to use and they're still very lethal on deer and we we that resolution passed by our members and we went and advocated for it and got it passed into statute that you could use that. So that was a bill that was birthed out of the MUCC policy process. And there are hundreds of those in our conservation regulations. Um, the Michigan Natural Resources Trust Fund started from an MUCC resolution. Uh, Proposal G, which is a huge issue going on right now uh, with how our commission process works, was an MUCC policy resolution. Uh, the mentored youth license in Michigan, so allowing a a kid to hunt you know they don't have to be we really don't have a minimum age the expectation is that your kid can can you know is able to safely handle a firearm with you there but that was something that was born out of an MUCC policy resolution and you know what's really cool about this all is it's really just you know Joe Schmo off the street who's an MUCC member that has these ideas and and good ideas always are elevated regardless of how you how you put them forward you know, and we can take that person's idea, help them get through our policy process, help them understand kind of the dynamics, facts at play, what the hills might be, what the battles might be. And then at the end of the day, when they pass, we have multiple times pictures of our members with the governor 
or with the NRC commissioners when they sign that bill, you know, so it's, it's a very cool way to directly impact policy. And there aren't a lot of organizations out there where you're going to get to uh, write, write some words on paper, and then maybe a year two, three years later, see those same words signed into law by our governor, which is, it's just, it's a fantastic opportunity. And it's something that we're very proud of here at MUCC. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you, you kind of, or at least I kind of always think that it's out of touch. I'm just another, you know, I'll vote, but you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm not really in the position to make a change like that. That's pretty neat, Nick. I think, um, I didn't know the 450 or the straight wall came through from you guys too. So I'm thankful of that. Thank you. Um, I use mine all the time. Now, that's that's a good idea on you know who MUCC is, what the magazine's about, and if you were to join or subscribe, what you'd be getting um, for that. Now, talking habitats, moving to some habitat stuff here. Your on the ground program, which I get the emails for this all the time. I've yet to make it to one, but I hope to make it to one someday. There's awesome stuff you guys are doing. Is it every week? Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's two, three times a week. Sometimes it's it's on the weekends. It really depends on. So that's really seasonally driven when we can yeah. do these of these projects. Okay, so go ahead and tell us about that program and and what you know what that is and how I guess some things that you would be doing during the on the ground program here. Yeah, so a little bit of background. You know, prior to on the ground, we actually had state law that prohibited volunteers from coming out to do work on state land because of unions um because you know it was they we thought maybe there was just a, a mix up of what you could be doing what work you would be doing that might take away from our dnr employees who belong to a union and you know quickly it was realized that we're trying to add and embolden to to the pot we're not trying to take away right. so that was an example of a resolution that changed law and we had to change how things work in order to implement that program and we worked with the department to get on the ground started and were funded through a memorandum of agreement with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources Wildlife Division. And it's an on the it's a stewardship program that is meant to get people, you know, hunters, anglers, and more importantly, non-hunters and anglers or just non-consumptive users and recreationists out on the state, public state or public land near them, and then do habitat projects that include, you know wood duck box building, trail maintenance, uh, river cleanups, picking up rocks out of fields so they can be tilled for food plots. I mean, lots of different uh, activities we do. And in 2013 or 14, that won the Outdoor Life inaugural Open Country Award. So it's kind of been a model that's now been used throughout other states to create these stewardship programs and really bring folks out to state land near them and help them do a habitat project that they can then go back to and say, I did that, or I understand how conservation works or hunters and anglers aren't just trying to shoot things. I mean, there are, there's a lot of different things to be taken away from it, depending on your audience, but it really is a way to just, again, bring us all together under one tent and think about holistically habitat conservation and what that means. Yeah. I'm, I think it's, Phenomenal. I'm reading a couple of things here. You have um, September 17th, you know, access bridge repair at Gratiot, Saginaw State Game Area. There's a mass producing tree planting and brush pile assembly in Kalkaska County. Very cool. Stuff we talk about all the time. Invasive vegetation removal um, to benefit critical reptile habitat. I mean, that's super interesting stuff. I mean, I'm a big habitat nerd, so maybe just to me, but I think it's awesome. 
Um, it, you know, what's been really cool about it is it really does complement the DNR's work. So, you know, they don't have an endless pot of money. They're, they're funded by hunter and angler dollars. So any habitat work they're doing or PR dollars that come in through the excise to sale, excise taxes on the sale of firearms, but you know, any work they're doing, there always is more to do. And so we've really been able to get in with these biologists and technicians on public land and say, what do you need us to do? What don't you have time to do? What, you, what can't your summer interns or techs go do? And it's, it's really, you know, I'm, I live on the Maple River State Game Area, um, right across the road from it. And I'm able to see the benefit every day. I see wood duck boxes. I see mass producing trees. I see dikes being cleared, you know, so it's really special to kind of see the impact that we can have in addition to all the work that our DNR is doing. And, and like I said, it's not to take away from that. It's, it's really additive to all of it. And if somebody wanted to get notified about that, is there an email list they can jump on or is it just joining MUCC? How would, how would they try to hear more about those events? Yeah, if you go to MUCC.org, uh, there is a clickable uh, form there that you can enter your email and that'll get you any of our updates. That'll get you on our on the ground uh, monthly newsletter uh, and then our conservation insider that we put out bi-weekly as well. So you don't have to join MUCC in order to be involved in that. And in fact, many of the people who come to that program aren't MUCC members. These are wow. folks who these are folks who are non-consumptive oftentimes and want to just be kind of connected to the outdoors. And at the end of the day, you know, whether we're helping them better understand conservation, whether we're helping them better understand when they go into a voting booth that hunters and anglers care and they pay for things and they're important, you know, whether it's just a deeper connection with the public land and access around them, there are a million reasons they come to us, but yeah, it's, it's not always members and many of our events are not members. It's actually non-members who come to that. Wow. And you mentioned there um, what I want to get into next, which was the conservation update or, or the insider. Now, give us a rundown on, on what that is. I mean, you guys have so many cool things going on with so much information that, I mean, we're, this is like the fifth or sixth thing we've already mentioned. But let's, let's hear about the conservation update next, too, because, again, this is near and dear to things I care about. So. Yeah, so this is kind of an idea. We have two forms of it. One is our insider that goes out weekly to our, our list, bi-weekly to our list. Um, and then we also have one we publish just on our website, which is the update. And really trying to give people a quick and dirty rundown of, of MUCC and what conservation happenings are, are going on. This, you know, traditionally those have been policy heavy or, or um, you know, like things that are coming down in our Natural Resources Commission or legislatively. Uh, being that it's an election year, things have been very slow policy-wise. Every You know, legislators are back in district. The NRC hasn't been doing a ton. Um, so it's, you know, it's been a little bit more MUCC heavy, but in a normal year, that is very, very much a, a resource for people to go to and kind of learn more about everything that's happening. Uh, in what's really important for people to know and pick up through that is that your voice matters. And when we have these Natural Resources Commission meetings, for example, we'll have one tomorrow. It'll be probably, uh, it'll be done by the time this airs, but you know, there is a chance for public comment at those meetings. So we're trying to let people know these are the issues that the NRC is gonna talk about at that meeting. Uh, these are the things you should be aware of, and this is how you can comment on them. 
And it's really just trying to make a more informed conservationist and get, get you involved in the process. Because as our, our past president always says, you know, the world is run by people who show up. And there, that couldn't be more true. You know, we live in a world of social media right now where mm -hmm. people really want to armchair quarterback things. And unless you're there and you're showing up and making your voice heard, I really don't have a lot of sympathy or at least joining something and becoming a member. You know, that's another way to make your voice heard. But you can't you can't just throw rocks uh, and expect to get anything done. I know. I know. If it wasn't, I swear, if it wasn't for like the podcast and and things that I like or old pictures of my kids when they were babies, I wouldn't be on this stuff. <laughs> but it, it, it is a necessary evil if you're into media, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like what you said there and and doers. Yeah. There's a lot of people that talk and, and not a lot of people that do. So I think it's that's pretty interesting stuff. You have just so much stuff going on here. I know that I, I didn't prep you for for this one, but I kind of have a question I was wondering once I heard some of the projects you're working on there. What would you say some of the top one, two, three habitat projects that have been completed where they've made the biggest difference in the past couple of years? Is there one or two that stick out, come to mind where it was like, this is a huge win? Yeah. So when we started, we started doing a lot of brush pile building in um, the Pigeon River country and in, in northern Michigan. And we're really starting to, there's actually been uh, studies tied to those areas. And we're starting to see the snowshoe hare population start to really rise and come up and come up in, you know, part of their, their habitat they have to have are these brush piles or something similar to hide in and rear their young. So, you know, that's a really big one. We can directly point to these projects on the ground where people are now going, seeing more hair, they're harvesting more hair. Uh, and there's actually studies being done about more hair. And then, you know, wood duck, wood duck box building is probably my second favorite in not, not necessarily that, you know, it's having, it's, it's having a great impact on wood duck populations, but it really is an event where you can take a kid, a grandpa, a grandma, a mom, whomever, you can teach them how to build a wood duck box. And then the next time they can come out and you can put that wood duck, wood duck box out. And then the next time they can come back and you can check it and there'll be eggs in it and, you know, so, or hatched eggs. So it really walks them kind of the whole journey of, of what that all takes. And it makes them really invested in conservation. And we do those wood duck box building events all over the state. Uh, we've put them up from probably all the way in the UP, all the way down to almost Ohio. So wow. it's, it's, it's just a really cool way that anyone can get involved in and they get excited about very neat very neat and now you're a huge duck hunter right i am yep have you shot any birds this year already i have so i've been teal hunting and goose hunting pretty hard uh the opener we got we got some blue wing teal and a goose and we've gotten some since then yeah it's it's been a good season it's been one of my best teal seasons the last five years so wow no kidding and yeah living by right by maple river i can anticipate you bird hunt a lot i mean you said that earlier but like I went to Central as well, so we'd buzz down there. We'd hunt there, too. Shot a bunch of mallards in there. Um, some even some good deer in there, too, from what I've heard. But There is really good deer hunting. I live uh, I live west of where most people think of the Maple River, um, so it's just not, not real populated. You know, there might be one or two folks a year that put their blind or stand up to try to hunt deer. Um, 
but I see, I mean, I'm from Northern Michigan where our deer were, if you saw an eight point, a three and a half year old eight point, that was a big deer. Sure. Um, and it took, it took a lot to get there. We don't have the ag, we don't have the cover the habitat and, you know, coming down here and living across from the Maple river. I mean, I see 10 points all the time. I see, you know, I'm just like, Holy cow. And my neighbor manages extensively for habitat. So we're seeing pheasants come back and big deer and he's showing me pictures and those like, oh, I wouldn't shoot that one. And, you know, I'm like, Holy cow. Uh, I just can't imagine it being from up north. But yeah, I when I came to MUCC, I, I really started and I started getting dogs. And that was why I started to bird hunt a lot. Um, and I have a sneaky suspicion that, you know, when our family gets rolling, I'll probably go back to bow hunting because that's something I can do across the road. Uh, I don't have to have to go up north to grouse hunt. I don't have to go to Saginaw Bay. Um so it's a piece of my past that I'm still really tied to and, and I'm excited to do it on the maple. Yeah. That's awesome. And so let's, let's go into any, any fall hunting goals or plans you might have. Um, do you have any trips you're going on? Anything cool that you're excited about? Yeah. So actually here in a few weeks, we'll be going up to Nevis Island off of the East coast of, of the upper peninsula. Yeah. And we're going to be spending the UP duck opener up there and hunting some big water stuff for divers, doing a little puddle duck stuff on some inland ponds. Uh, and then the gentleman we're staying with actually has grouse, grouse and woodcock right out the front door. So I'll have all of the dogs with me. We'll duck hunt in the mornings and then do some grouse and woodcock in the afternoons. Uh, and I'm doing that with a coworker and then one of our board members who hasn't, I don't know if he's actually taken a duck on his own. He's been a party to a duck being being taken um but this will be we're gonna we're gonna put the spotlight on him and if he doesn't get one down no one else is shooting so um it'll be fun and then in mid to late october we do our normal grouse camp which is kind of a bunch of kids my kids bunch of guys and guys and gals my age um you know we we have a camp on the banks of the manistee river and we, we hunt grouse woodcock and ducks for a week uh, and then a couple of weeks after that, I'm going to South Dakota. So that'll be a, a duck and pheasant trip as well. Um, I'm fortunate here at MUCC that, you know, my lifestyle kind of blends with my profession. Um, so a lot of things I do are, are being an editor of a magazine. I get to go hunting some days, um, you know, and we just we have a really good culture about ensuring that, you know, we're all happy conservationists, recreationists and whatever way we want to be and then that really kind of reflects when we go and do the work we do well said and you can't you can't be going to nebush island without saying hi to my friend leon hank you know leon i am so leon is who i'm staying with okay yeah yeah i got you <laughs> and we, we interviewed him back on i think it was episode 137 uh he's an awesome guy i i need to get he him is. So i could listen to him forever i figured so, you might you might know him if you're heading up there and and um yeah, yeah so yep leon's whose place we're staying at um and i know he's a big deer hunter yeah. uh so he but he's gonna be gracious enough to let us hunt some of his wood duck potholes awesome. and still give him enough time to rest before bow season but uh what a guy what a guy yeah it's uh we're i'm pretty excited about it and, and our other board member pat's gonna go up too and hopefully he'll get a duck on leon's property very nice and when are you going to south dakota that'll be in late October uh, and I've never been to South Dakota I've been to North Dakota in the Badlands area and done some sharp's tail and goose hunting um, but never done any duck hunting in the Dakota so I'm excited for that yeah I think I'm going to be out there mid-October for some pheasant stuff I've never done that either um, kind okay. of switching gears this year and going to try some of that and 
that my dog Lucy's almost old enough. She could probably hack it, but I don't know. She's she's still pretty young. But maybe next time. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm excited to go do something different. You know, check yeah. it out. Well, Nick, that's really a lot of what I had. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you that you want to you know get to the, get out to the listeners? Now's your chance, and feel free to to plug your stuff. And then I have one final question for you before we wrap. No, I think, you know, just feel free to reach out to myself, anyone, especially if you're in Michigan and you want to learn more about Michigan United Conservation Clubs. Um, you know, we're always willing to talk through policy issues, any issues you may have. And even if you're not a member and figure out if it, if it makes sense, um, you know, subscribe to our magazine. That's kind of how I feed my dogs, uh, you know, I, and, and let me know if you have suggestions, comments, you know, those are what helped me grow as an editor. Um, I, I came from the world of hard news journalism, traditional journalism, uh, with editors who had heavy hands and would beat me over the head when I was wrong. So, you know, I can take criticisms and critiques and, and in fact, I appreciate them because they make me better. Those are always, those are always more valuable than the kind of half-hearted good jobs. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to let us know or look us up and let us know what we're doing or we could be doing better. Um, we, we have a staff of 10 and we'll always be diligent and reaching back out in a timely manner. Well said. Well said. I, I totally echo on the, on the constructive criticism too. Like, you know, no ego. Tell me how I can be better. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Couldn't agree more. But we have one final question. I ask all the listeners kind of, kind of random question, but we get some pretty cool answers. Um, very simple. What is your favorite tree? Could tree be, tree could be for habitat could be one you like to plant could be for hunting out of could be one you like seeing driving down the road so i grew up on a christmas tree farm and we you know we really grew douglas fir scotch pine blue spruce uh and that all kind of changed when fraser first started to come around and we started to figure out how to irrigate it um but with that also came a concolor fir, which is probably my favorite tree. And if you pull the needles off a concolor fir and you rub them between your fingers, it smells citrusy. So the next time you're going to look for a Christmas tree in your house uh, and you want to kind of get away from your normal blues or Fraser's or Douglas fir or scotch, whatever you have, look for a concolor fir. Uh, and as soon as it starts to hit that heat in your house, you will smell the orange and citrus smell. And it, it is just phenomenal. Uh, and they have a real cool needle and they're, they're durable. You can hang ornaments on them. So probably what, probably my favorite tree. And that's why we asked the question, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> there's a new one right there, 200 episodes in, and we haven't even heard that one yet. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And they, you said they're, they hold their needles and everything too. So I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. They, uh, Great answer. generally, Generally, they're irrigated and they they hold their needles well, much better than a blue spruce or a scotch pine. Well, <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for spending some time on here today with us. Um, just really appreciate you and and your support and uh, you know letting me scribble some things in your magazine every now and then. I love it and uh, just just thank you. So hopefully, get you on here again soon in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jared, and we appreciate you writing for us and kind of. Uh, helping folks better understand why habitat's important and, and what, what they can be doing on whether it's their five acres, 10 acres or hundred acres to be bettering, you know, a community as a collective. I love it. Thank you so much listeners for coming and listening once again to the habitat podcast. 
We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, habitatpodcast.com, we have our Habitat property consultation services on there under the land plan tab. Check out our HP land plans there. We also have hats, t-shirts, and decals up at habitatpodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes. And then we have a new Habitat Podcast journal where you can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, you know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. I'd like to thank Exodus Trail Cameras, Packer Max Cultipackers, Afflictor Broadheads, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, and Morse Nursery. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. Mm-hmm.